listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody, and welcome into this week's Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. We are very glad to have you along with us as well. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram. Coming up later in the program, we're going to be joined by Brian Smith. He works for Athletes in Action, but he's also an author, written the book called The Assist, A Gospel-Centered Guide to Glorifying God Through Sports. A terrific book, highly recommended. We're going to talk to him later on, but before we do that, let me kick things over to the well-bearded Zach Barletta for this week's Shenanigan Statements. Rockies superstar third baseman Nolan Arenado was reportedly available in trade talks all offseason, and he's not happy about it. In fact, he went on the record to say he has been disrespected by the Rockies front office, although he later would somewhat walk those comments back. Truth or shenanigans, the Rockies will have to trade Arenado. Why don't you lead off here? What do you think? I hope not because I'm a big Arenado fan and he's a lot of fun to watch in that ballpark or, or any place. But, um, boy, it really sounds like the bridge might be burned. Uh, he's upset that he was dangled in trades, but he's also upset, he says, that he signed his long-term deal there a year ago with the understanding that they were going to build around him and try to compete. And they haven't spent a single dollar in free agency, and we're now just a few weeks away from spring training. He's more upset with the fact that he may have just signed a long-term deal with a team that's going to be bad. So uh, if they're not going to try to win with him, if they're not going to try to build around him, then I think they have to end up moving him someplace. You know, I'm going to say shenanigans, at least not prior to the start of the season. Maybe at the trade deadline when some team might be desperate enough to pay the ransom the Rockies are asking for. And I think this is what is the big disconnect in making a deal. Mm -hmm. They're asking for an awful lot. And I, at this point, I don't think anybody's going to give them that and then take on the large contract that they gave him. But you're right. Some of what he is upset with is the fact that he signed this long-term deal mm -hmm. and they're not helping put anybody around him. At some point, they're going to be forced to do one or the other, either trade him or build a team around him uh, or they're going to have a discontented all-star on their hands. Yeah, and I think what complicates it also is the fact that in two years, he has an opt-out clause. So if he's not happy, if they haven't built around him, he's leaving and they're getting nothing. But also, the if you're a team that's looking to acquire him, you may not want to give up as big of a package knowing you might only get him for two Just years. wait it out. So I don't know, man. We're going to see. It's going to be interesting to watch. Number two, the Los Angeles City Council unanimously approved a resolution Tuesday urging Major League Baseball to strip recent World Series titles from the Astros and Red Sox, reward them to the Dodgers. Truth or shenanigans, that's a bad idea. Yeah, it is. I agree. <laughs> I, why does Major League Baseball care what some city council wants them to put their name their team champions? That doesn't make any sense. Now, who's to say, by the way, the Dodgers would have beating, beaten yeah. the next team out of the American League? which was the Yankees both times. Mm -hmm. So it would have been the Dodgers and the Yankees. And then who knows what would have happened there? Maybe they would have. I don't know. But, I, you know, that whole thing when they vacate wins and they yeah. vacate titles, to me it's weird. It, it, it People still remember, right? It's not simply 
naming the Dodgers gives those players the opportunity to go, go out on the field and, and rejoice with their teammates. Mm-hmm. It's just it's kind of a goofy thing. I understand they have to do it sometimes, but it just I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I we're definitely in lockstep on this one. You can't look in baseball. By rule, you can't even assume the double play. So how are you going to assume ah, that the Dodgers would have beaten the Astros, that the Dodgers would have beaten the Yankees, who took the Astros within a game of the World Series themselves? Um, you can't assume that if had they not been cheating, they would not have been there. Had they not been cheating, we would have beat them. You can't assume because you really don't know. You have to play the games. And I think we talked about this recently on the show already, but I, I'm not in favor of assuming anything. The Astros get to keep their title with an asterisk. Yeah. And look, even if there's an asterisk, I don't know. We all know what happened. So, yeah. whatever. Number three, the success of teams like the Titans and 49ers winning playoff games despite their quarterbacks throwing for under 100 yards in the game is proof that you don't need an elite quarterback to contend for a title. You know, I agree, but to a point. Mm-hmm. It may be only a year or two from now we'll look back and, and think that perhaps Garoppolo is indeed an elite quarterback. Time will tell. You may not need an elite guy under center, but you better have somebody pretty good. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't have an elite guy, you need to have an excellent ground game. And both the 49ers and Titans relied on that in this postseason. So I, I don't know that you need it, but you just might. Yeah. Look, both of those teams have fantastic ground games. They run the ball better than just about anybody. But at the same time, you look at the Titans and Ryan Tannehill, from the time he took over as a starter to the end of the season, you could count on one hand the number of quarterbacks who were better than him. He was fantastic. Um, I think maybe he's a better quarterback than we ever gave him credit for. <clears throat> cough, Adam Gase, cough. Uh, but also, <laughs> on, the other, on the flip side, the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo won a game throwing for under 100 yards. But look at what they they gave up a second-round pick for him and paid him an awful lot of money. He's a good quarterback. Yeah. So it's not like these teams made the playoffs and won games with you or me a quarterback. These are very talented guys. So you need maybe not to have an elite quarterback, but you have to have a pretty good one. Agreed. we got to step aside. Up next is the Red Hawks recap, and when we come back, we're going to talk with author Brian Smith about his book, the assist a little later in the show. Are you like that segment? Do stick around along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. There ain't nothing that can't be done by mean Time for this week's Red Hawks recap, brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College as we look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan Athletics. On Friday night, the Roberts Wesleyan women's basketball team picked up their sixth straight win as they defeated the University of the District of Columbia 70-54. Emily Miller recording her third straight double-double, scoring 24 points to go along with 13 rebounds. For the men, despite getting 28 points from Reggie Clark, the Red Hawks were downed by D.C. 83-72. It was Clark's fourth game of 25 points or more in the last six contests. The Roberts Wesleyan swim team split over the weekend at Genesee Community College. The women were victorious as Sarah Gendrew paced the Red Hawks by setting a record and winning in the 200 freestyle. She also took first place in both the 200 individual medley and 100 backstroke. On the men's side, Colin Webb took three first-place finishes in his debut as a Red Hawk. Webb won at 50 and 100 freestyle, setting records in both, as well as winning the 100 backstroke. Gabe Rivers was also able to take three first-place wins in the 1,000 freestyle, 200 individual medley, and 100 butterfly. Rivers set records in the 1,000 freestyle, smashing the old record 
by over four minutes. And finally in track, competing in just its second meet of the indoor season on Saturday, Red Hawk senior Josiah Adelini was the lone first place finish for Roberts with a victory in the 3,000 meter race. A couple of upcoming opportunities to catch the Red Hawks basketball teams at home. On Sunday, January 26th, the Red Hawks will host Malloy College. Start time for the ladies is 2 p.m., followed by the men at 4. And then on Saturday, February 1st, Damon College comes to town to take on the Red Hawks. Once again, start time for the ladies is 2, followed by the men at 4. You can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics at their website, robertsredhawks.com, and you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles, our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson, and Brian Smith joins the program now. He's on staff with Athletes in Action, working at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, as well as working as the director of social media for AIA. He's written a terrific book. It's called The Assist, A Gospel-Centered Guide to Glorifying God Through Sports. Brian, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Thanks for having me, Rick. Appreciate it. I've got to tell you, I thought the book was wonderful. Not only have I highlighted portions of many of the pages, but after reading it myself, I bought a copy for the, each of the guys in my small group study as they all have roles in athletics. I, I mean, really, congratulations on writing a well-thought work. Thanks. I had a blast putting it together. It was really fun for me. You detail the moment in the book, but would you share with our listeners the motivation for it after you saw it in an interview? The likes of which we've all seen. That's the thing about this. We've all seen this. The athlete says, first and foremost, I just want to give the glory to God. But then there's typically more, isn't there? Yeah. And so in the specific interview you're referring to, the the athlete made the comment, all thanks, I want to give all glory to God. And then the follow-up question to that interview um, was about his name not getting recognized the whole week before the game. And so he answered the question along the lines of, yeah, everyone was talking about my teammate, and I thought after this game, everybody's going to know who I am. And so the the disconnect for me between all glory to God, the first answer, and then the second one, within seconds, I want people to know my name, really struck something within me and kind of set me on this journey. I mean, I, I wonder what it actually means to glorify God through sports. Is it something that we just are using cliched phrases because it sounds right, or or is there something more there. And so, you know, people people write books either because they're an expert on the subject or because they're not and they want to learn more about it. And I'm I'm definitely in the latter category. I am not an expert. I just was super curious on what it looked like to glorify God through sports. And so I like I don't want to be a curmudgeon or come across as the glory police. That's not me at all. But but I do feel like we need to take the word of God and the idea of God's glory seriously because God does. So again, like I don't, I don't want to assume ever that athletes don't take it seriously, but I think there's a few things we need to keep in the back of our minds when we consider what it actually means to bring glory to God in the midst of competition or, or just in sports in general. And so 
I mean, we could turn this topic into the entire podcast, but I'll just give you two reasons why I think this is really important to talk about. Uh, one is that that phrase, all glory to God, is overwhelmingly used after a win or an elite performance, and we rarely, if ever, hear it after loss. And so I think when we when we consistently make this connection between winning and God getting glory, we can easily make the leap to believing that's primarily what pleases God is, is the win or the elite performance. And the, the problem with this connection is actually the Bible. The Bible consistently shows that God gets glory through our our pain, loss, and suffering, and then in the midst of that pain, uh, still proclaiming, God, I trust you, you are you are enough in the midst of this. And then, two, the phrase kind of assumes that what we're giving to God, or what primarily glorifies him, is the actual performance. And I, I, think, I think he is glorified through that, but if you look again throughout Scripture, and we can look at specifically at 1 Samuel 16, when, uh, when we're seeing the next king being chosen, and... Uh, Samuel's looking for the king, and God says, man man looks at the outward appearance, and the Lord looks at the heart. So we see right there, like God is, yes, God sees outward appearance, but primarily what he's after is the heart. And so th- those are two reasons why I think it's super important that we need to have conversations like this, and ultimately why I wrote the book, too. We're talking with Brian Smith, author of the book, The Assist. It's available through Amazon or vi- by visiting his website, theassistbook.com. You can also follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Smith AIA. I love working in sports because you tend to see people as they really are. Since sports bring such a range of emotions to the to the surface, we see how people handle success, how they handle failure, frustration, so on. In my mind, the idea that the Christian athlete has to remain emotionless is a misconception. So let me ask you, Brian, is it okay for the believer to feel frustrated during a slump or disappointed after a loss? <laughs> Absolutely it is. Uh, God gave us emotions. He gave us desires. He gave us discipline and skill and work ethic. So if I work really hard at something and expect a certain outcome and hope for a certain outcome and I don't get it, it's, it's really within my created nature to be frustrated. Now, obviously there comes a point when Frustration could lead to sin or even reveal idolatry in my life. Um, but but in the moments after a loss, I would hope that an athlete who's worked really, really hard for something and wants to glorify God through their effort and performance would be would be a little upset about that. And so we could we could even look at the opposite example of this and ask, is it okay for an athlete to celebrate and experience happiness after a win if we go to the other end of the spectrum? And I, I give this quote again in my book from C.S. Lewis. I love this one. Um, he says, I think we, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And I, I love that. The, mm. the delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And so we will see this in March Madness in a, a couple months here. Uh, I I picture this in my head off, often whenever March comes around, like the the buzzer beater that happens where a team wins the game and everybody rushes onto the court and, and celebrates. And that's, that's expected and normal. But, but what if we saw that same buzzer beater, the team wins, and there's no celebrated, there's no celebration, almost like robots. They walk the sideline, shake the hand of the opponent, and then emotionless walk out. And, and head back to the locker room. Like something would feel 
missing from that scene. And so I think that the celebration completes the experience in the same way that the feeling of disappointment or frustration helps us complete the experience of unmet, taste, unmet expectations following a loss. We're talking with Brian Smith, author of the book, The Assist. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Smith AIA. In the book, Brian, you feature chapters which cover glorifying God through a number of aspects of an athlete's life, whether that be winning, losing, practicing, injuries, coaches, etc. And one area that you talked about was teammates. And in full disclosure, I was convicted when you addressed the question, what if I honestly don't like them? And I suspect many athletes listening to this program, as I have, and probably you have, we've all dealt with someone who found favor with the coach despite not working as hard. That's real life right there. How does the Christian athlete handle teammates who, for whatever reason, they just don't really like that much? <laughs> yeah, so so I think we need to start with this. It is it's perfectly normal to have teammates that you you don't get along with. God created us really with a plethora of different personalities and skill sets, and he created us to naturally be drawn to certain people and honestly annoyed by, by other people. Uh, but but you can still love people who you don't really like. And, and really, as a Christ follower, we're actually commanded to do that. So we're not off the hook. So for me, I need to consistently remind myself of 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Um, Paul's talking about from now on, we, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. And just this idea that everybody is made in the image of God. Everybody has an eternal soul. And so, so against that backdrop, there's a, a couple of really practical things I think athletes can do for the teammates that, that they just don't get along with. For whatever reason, I think one they can they can pray for them. Uh, we we read in Matthew five forty four, Jesus is saying to his followers, "But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." I, I never want to put teammates in the category of being an enemy, but the the principle of what Jesus is saying is that there's some people that are going to rub you the wrong way or be against you, um, that and it's going to be hard to love those people, and those are the people that you still need to to pray for, and so. I, I think it is really healthy to pray for those teammates that you may just not get along with. I think it, in the end, it might do more for your heart than it, it does for theirs. Two, I think you can pray for yourself. This is something I, I need to do all the time for for the people that I don't get along with. I need to, to continually check myself and say, God, God, what is it about this person that is rubbing me the wrong way? What are you trying to reveal about my heart and my insecurities and not the gaps in my life that I'm not aware of through this, this person. So praying that God would soften my heart towards the teammate, that he would give me patience, compassion, the ability, really the ability to see through my teammate's eyes too. That's a good one. Like I, ne I never want to be stubborn to think that my way is the best way. And sometimes just asking that God would give me a, a unique ability to see things from their perspective and even view them through their strengths instead of their weaknesses. Oh, that's such a good one, too. It's so easy to view people through their shortcomings. What if we would ask God to view people through their strengths? Um, what could he do in our lives? What could he do in their lives? And then the, the last one, I, I give, I think, five in the book, but my last one for this podcast is just to encourage them. So so move into that awkward space of the, the person that you may not get along with, and find something that they did well in practice or they did well in the game or something that something they said to a teammate that was encouraging and just find a way 
to affirm them and, and speak life into them. And again, that God may do something amazing in their life through your relationship, but I think at the end of the day, God is asking us to continually die to ourselves and surrender to our own self-will. And that's just a really practical way we can do that is to move towards teammates that maybe are not like us and that we don't get along with. That's a great reminder. Once again, Brian Smith joins us here on the Beyond the Game program. Would you be willing, Brian, to share with us how you first identified a need for a Savior in your life and turned to Jesus? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I grew up going to, to church. And I, I remember when I was 12, I went to, it's called, it called Pine Ridge Bible Camp. And I don't exactly remember what the, the speaker said, but I, I know the gospel was presented. And I do remember one of the first things that came to my head was I, I want to spend eternity in the good place and, and not the bad place. And so I, I I prayed the prayer and met with a counselor afterwards. And it was really like, that was the, the genesis, kind of the beginning of my salvation. And then from there, continued church involvement and really learning that the, the true meaning of the gospel is not just you get to go to heaven with God. It's the fact that I, I was a sinner separated from God. And that decision that I made when I was 12 was agreeing that Jesus lived the perfect life that I could not live, that Jesus stepped in my place on the cross and defeated the power of death by, by raising from the grave and that his life, death and resurrection allowed me to have right standing with God. If I believed in that. And so that, that for me, as I continued to get older and mature and really wrap my head around that, like I tell people all the time, I, I was saved when I was 12, but I think it was probably when I was 20 or 21 or 22, when I really, really realized the decision I made uh, and the implications of it. Your book, Brian, is available through Amazon. Is that your preferred method for listeners to get their hands on your book? Yeah, that's that's the easiest way. If people just go into Amazon and type in the assist, it, it's one of the first ones that comes up. All right. Before we let you go, how, how can we pray for you? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I, so I, I write a lot. Um, I'm working on a second edition right now of the assist, um, and I have an ask out there to, I don't want to, give his name so I don't want to put public pressure on him but I have a, an ask out there to a pretty high profile athlete who I think if he would say yes and write the forward it would it would launch it to more people around the the U.S. and around the world in ways that that I could not do on my own and so I, I got into sports ministry because I really believed in the platform of sport that in a society where we're looking up to athletes as heroes, we, we truly need to find athletes who are surrendering their lives to, to Jesus and leading the way in that you know, for us and for our kids. And I, yeah, I believe that today. And I'm really hoping this athlete who has an incredible platform would, would say yes and trusting that if he does, God would do some really cool things for the second edition. So if you could pray that he would finish reading it and say yes, and then you can all know who it is. All right. Well, we'll pray towards that end. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. I wish you continued success with your book and with your work with AIA. I appreciate you, Rick. Thank you. That's Brian Smith. In addition to working with Athletes in Action, he's written this book, The Assist, A Gospel-Centered Guide to Glorifying God Through Athletics. If you're a Christian athlete, I highly recommend picking up a copy and giving it a read. You can get it on Amazon. You can follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Smith, AIA or you can visit his website, theassistbook.com.
You can hear more of our interview with Brian on our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks so much to you for tuning in. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. From our studio in Rochester, New York, welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We always like to end our show with a bit of encouragement with our You Like That segment. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14 says, But Jesus said, Let the little children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Both Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson are taking part in this week's NFL Pro Bowl. Despite having played for 19 seasons and being named to 13 Pro Bowls, it turns out Brees' sons are fans of Lamar Jackson. Breeze tweeted a photo of his son Balin decked out in full Jackson gear and mentioned how much the lad was looking forward to meeting one of his NFL heroes. Well, Jackson didn't let anything hinder Breeze's kids from coming to him. After tweeting a response saying he couldn't wait to meet Balin, Jackson followed that up by sharing a video of him playing catch with the boys as well as other kids as they enjoyed the Pro Bowl festivities. The humility of Drew Brees, admitting that his boys were fans of another NFL quarterback, as well as Lamar Jackson taking time to play with the kids, is what I liked like this that. week. You like that! What I liked this week was Larry Walker being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Not specifically that he was inducted, although that I was very happy to see that. If you haven't seen it, there's a video of him getting the call from the Hall of Fame to let him know that he's officially been inducted. And he's wearing what can only be described as a SpongeBob SquarePants bowling shirt, I guess. (laughs) Like it's a collared button down shirt and it's like a charcoal color with big highlighter yellow SpongeBob SquarePants all over it. And I just thought Larry Walker getting the Hall of Fame call in a ridiculous SpongeBob bowling shirt is like peak Larry Walker. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. In fact, the next day there was uh, uh, the, the press conference where he and Derek Jeter put their uh, Hall of Fame jerseys on and Larry Walker says something to the effect of you know this jersey is a lot better and more impressive than that Spongebob shirt was and Derek Jeter just goes yeah I'm not so sure about that <laughs> and uh, check it out it's good but Larry Walker Spongebob shirt is what you I like liked that. this week you like that. that's the end of our show thanks so much for being with us the Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener supported radio ministry thanks to all of you who have given of your time and treasures to bring the good news of the Bible to sports fans all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're asking that you would indeed keep us in your prayers and that if God lays it on your heart to make a financial commitment to this ministry, whether it be a one-time gift or a recurring amount, please visit our website, 
btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Bye.